we believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. And let the people sing praises. The body is full of light, and you have no part dark, then everything's good. But if not, then the whole part is dark. And so he warned about, essentially he's saying is, the perspective that we have, like, are we receiving the message of the Lord. Are we growing in his light? Because Jesus is the light. And we're told that we are the light of the world. He's the light of the world and we're the light of the world. And so as we receive and we let God work in our lives sincerely and we're living by faith and we're trusting in his word, we're going to see things properly. We're going to see people properly. We're going to see ourselves properly. Our compass, our perspective is going to be proper concerning ourself, our place in the universe before the living God and what he has for us. But if we're not responding in faith and we're filled with unbelief or really unbelief and pride and those sorts of things, then we're not going to see things right. We're going to be skewed. Our, our opinions are going to be wrong. Our perspective is going to be wrong. And we're not going to see things the way God sees things. And we talk about praying for having the mind of Christ and have the mind of the Spirit, which the Bible refers to both in the New Testament. So the idea is that is letting God's sword search us and we, we see things the way they really are. And that's the way we want to live. That's the way God wants us to live. But if we don't respond in faith and we're not going forward in faith, then it's unbelief and pride. And we see things limited to ourselves. And in our perspective as judge and jury of everything in our perspectives, our perspectives are very flawed because of our sinful nature. And so we just roll into tonight because we're going to see this in this conflict that Jesus has with the Pharisee, the Pharisees, the lawyer, and even the scribes that he had just said, when your eye is good, everything's good. But if your eye is bad, you're in darkness. So we see things the way God wants us to see them because we're responding in faith. So I said in verse 37, as he spoke, a certain Pharisee asked him to dine with him. So he went and sat down to eat. And when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he, Jesus, had not washed before dinner. Then the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees make the outside of the cup and dish clean, but your inward part is full of greed and wickedness. Foolish ones, did not he made the outside make the inside also? But rather give, but rather give alms of such things as you have, then indeed all things are clean to you. But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe the mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass by justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the best seats in the synagogue and greetings in the marketplace. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like graves which are not seen, and the men who walk over them are not aware of them. So we start with this passage. This is where the whole text picks up tonight. And again, we're contrasting faith, relationship, with unbelief and religion. Because believe it or not, 
world religion is really a form of unbelief against God's revelation to come to him through his son, Jesus Christ, which is where the faith is required. Our faith is in him because he's the author and finisher of our faith. And so we know that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. We know that Peter and John, when they stood before the Sanhedrin Council, these same sorts of people, they said that there's no other name given among men by which we must be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. We know that Paul the Apostle, who opposed the early church and persecuted Christians, he said, if righteousness comes through us being good, that is, keeping the law, then Christ died in vain. But he did not die in vain because there was no other way. We're told that we love him because he first loved us. We're also told that while we're yet sinners, Christ and enemies of God, Christ came and died for us to reconcile us to the Father. We are told that through Jesus Christ, our great high priest, that we can come boldly to his throne of grace in time of need. But we're told by under the law in the Old Testament, through the Holy of Holies, that only the high priest could go in once a year and everyone else couldn't even go near the place because it reflected that separation of God's holiness and man's sinfulness. And no one can just approach God the way they want to or how they think they should with some religion concocted in their own mind. God defines how he's approached. God declares who he is. It's his universe. How he works, he reveals his character, and he defines how how he's approached, where he's approached, under what circumstances, under the various covenants, up into the dispensation of grace that we are still in and under until the Lord's return. And he works in every generation and holds every generation accountable for that revelation he's given to the generation. And it's always been by faith. We know that in Hebrews 11 reviewing human history with starting with Abel. It's always by faith. And this conflict of faith in God and his word versus our self-made religion goes all the way back to Cain and Abel. And the first death that we know of in human history, Cain killing his brother Abel, was religion killing relationship. It was self-righteousness killing faith. Because we're told that when Abel brought his offering to the Lord, he brought an animal with blood from the flock. He understood the element of substitutionary sacrifice, and he came by faith with the lamb from his flock. He understood the concept of substitutionary sacrifice, which he would have learned from his parents, Adam and Eve, when they fell, and God also provided substitutionary sacrifice for them. And they were expelled from the garden and fellowship with God at that time. But Cain... He came with the vegetables of his garden. He came from the earth, and he came on his terms. Just like when Adam and Eve sought to cover themselves with the earth and their nakedness of sin, God would not accept that, and he shed blood of another animal in substitution to cover them appropriately. And one generation later, Abel comes with blood and faith, and Cain comes with earthly coverings on his terms, his ways, and God rejects his offering and accepts Abel's, and Cain is furious, but God says, if you do what's right, will I not accept you? God offered Cain the same acceptable sacrifice that he gave Abel if he was willing to come with blood and faith. This is how it works in God's universe, and there's no getting around it. These are the realities of the universe. You talk about gravity and time, space, and matter being realities of the universe. Physically, spiritually, it's sowing and reaping, and the whole universe is made by Christ, for Christ, and held together in Christ, and he's the judge of it all, And he doesn't change with shadow of turning. And this is how it works in his universe. And we, as the church, 
have the gospel entrusted to us. And we proclaim a message of relationship, not religion. When Greg Laurie has his Harvest Crusade very soon here in Southern California at Anaheim Stadium, it's not the religious outreach of Harvest Ministries, although some would see it that way. It is the proclamation of the gospel and a relationship with God that Greg Laurie will be preaching, not religion. And the contrast comes right back to this text, this age-old battle from the, the lamb of Abel and the blood and the vegetables of Cain and the pride of religion. Relationship, humility, blood, faith. Religion, pride, earth, unbelief. Faith, blood, grace, God-initiated, man uh, reciprocated, received. But pride, religion, man-initiated, divinely rejected. So here in this story, this Pharisee would have seen himself as being good enough to stand before God. And the problem is, if the eye is bad, the whole body's bad. And what's amazing to me with this first part of the text we're going to see tonight is that this Pharisee, he marvels. Okay, you think of all the things God did on earth when he was here in the flesh. Jesus raised the dead. He touched the leper and cleansed him. By the way, that's why Jesus doesn't need to wash his hands if he doesn't want to. He doesn't pass germs. You know, ya ves los manos, por favor. No, he doesn't, he doesn't pass germs. He touches the leper who's the most defiled person on the planet, and he heals the leper. There's no decay in Jesus. So even if his hands are dirty, he brings life. He's not, he's, don't you worry about having dinner with Jesus and him not washing his hands. I worry about you not washing your hands and you can worry about me not washing my hands, but don't you worry about the son of God not washing his hands because he cleanses everything he touches. He doesn't defile anything. He's the son of God. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. He can do what he wants on the Sabbath. And if he's having dinner with you and he doesn't wash his hands, there's a reason for it. And it's a reason to expose the hypocrisy of this unknown Pharisee. And of all the things you can marvel at in the life of Jesus, how many times even last week we said when he healed the mute person that the people marveled. I mean, can you imagine 11 apostles watching Peter walk on water and they would have marveled the, the legion, the demons cast out and marveled and all the things. Jairus' daughter raised from the dead and the people would have marveled. We've never seen such things in Israel. When he preached with authority in the synagogue there in Capernaum and then straightened out the withered man's hand and they said, we've never seen anything like this. He speaks with such authority, not as one without authority. And they marveled. And Jesus Christ, God comes into the universe outside of his dimension into time space and matter, walks the earth, lives a perfect sinless life, shows us the perfect human, the second Adam, Jesus Christ, and everything he does is good. Everything he touches, he brings life to. And he should just left a trail of people marveling in his wake everywhere he went. And what does this Pharisee marvel over? That he didn't wash his hands. There are people like that. All the good things that God does in your life and lives of people you love, and they can't marvel at the, the faithfulness of God in the deep, dark valley. They can't marvel at God's goodness over you on the top of the mountain. They just marvel at some obscure thing that doesn't fit into their little religious cubicle. I mean, the guy marveled that he didn't wash his hands. I mean, really? You've got God in the flesh whose blood is not like the blood of sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. In his very DNA of his makeup, his genetic code, it didn't have sin in it. And you're marveling that he doesn't wash his hands? This is what religion does. 
excuse your thinking because the eye is bad, the whole body's bad, and you don't see right. When we think we can save ourselves with world religion, we don't see right. We blow people up. We blow ourselves up. We do strange things to afflict our bodies. We do strange and bizarre things. We believe the craziest things. Rational people become completely irrational and illogical when they reject the gospel. And it's like when we don't marvel at the glory of God in creation and his order, if we don't look at Romans 1.21 and look, God made the universe in this order, and we don't marvel at that, you know what we're going to do? We're going to look at the creature and marvel at that. And instead of having a clear mind with a good eye and seeing things the way God sees them, we're going to be given over to a debased mind, a depraved heart, and we're not going to be able to think straight, and we're going to think we're right before God, and we're going to try and justify ourselves before God. And that's what Romans 1 warns us about. If the eye is good, the whole body's good. If you see with the eyes of faith, it's all so clear. It's all so simple. It all makes sense. To the pure, all things are pure. But to defiled, nothing is pure. And we think defiled like sexually defiled or, or just depraved defiled. But there's religiously defiled where you don't think straight. And you think you're doing something good for God, like Saul did when he was Saul of Tarsus, when in fact, you're murdering and killing innocent people who are serving God, but you think you're serving God. You don't think straight. And you marvel at the most ludicrous things against God instead of marveling at all the beautiful, glorious things of God revealed to you by God. That's what happens with religion. You reject the grace that you need because you're sitting back as God yourself, as judge and jury of God. And God helped the person who tells Jesus he should have washed his hands was thinking that. Just think about that one. I mean, really, for real. This man's at your table, and he raised the son of the widow Nain. And there were, an un, we don't even know, innumerable amount of witnesses to that. I mean, I've done lots of funerals. I've done three this year. And I would have loved to see Jesus walk up to those funerals and raise the dead. Debbie, when I did your mom's funeral, wouldn't it be great to see Jesus walk up to that hole in the ground 10 feet below and just raise her up? Well, he did in eternity, but back to time. And he did that. And he's at your house for dinner. And all you can marvel at is not that he raised the widow Nain's son, but that he didn't wash his hands. What a lesson to us about the danger of being self-righteous because the eye gets bad and we don't see people the way he sees them. We don't see the Lord the way he is. We don't see ourselves the way we are. And we don't see people and humanity the way God sees them. That's the danger of religion, which is obviously the greatest of all dangers. To think that we can save ourselves. By grace we've been saved, that through faith, not of works, lest anyone else should boast. Because we are his workmanship. And there's a work he wants to do in and through us when we come to him by faith. We could never, ever earn his grace. And I'm so glad for that. I'm so glad we all get saved the same way. I'm so glad when Greg Laurie gives an invitation in August at the Anaheim Stadium, and some 5,000 people are going to go forward over three days, that there's not a different standard for Daniel Lindbergh than Joey Baran. You know, aren't you glad, Daniel, that we got the same standard? I mean, can you imagine, like, okay, well, you're like this, and you're like that. It's like, wait a second. What? No, it's one way. We all come by it through faith and by the blood of the Lamb and according to God's grace. It's a universal salvation in the sense that we all come the same way. 
through faith in who he is and what he's done and promised to do. This is what self-righteousness does in human religion. It judges God. And we've said this before about God's word. It is always much better to let God's word judge you, which is intended to do in a good way, than to sit back and judge God's word. Whenever I read or hear anything of anyone mocking God's word or judging God's word, I just cringe and so should you. And by all means, avoid the influence of people like that, let alone being someone like that. Because Paul made very clear through the Holy Spirit when he said in Romans, let God be true and every man a liar. And God is true. And when those books are opened in Revelation chapter 20, God's word searches all things. Jesus said there's nothing that will not be revealed. All things are naked and bare and open to him to whom we must, must give an account. And he has exalted his word even above his name. And his word's going to search us out. And we're told as followers of Christ that we can trust his word, that all scriptures God breathe. And it's, it's there for us to guide us and direct us to reprove us, to correct us, to lead us and instruct us in righteousness that we can be thoroughly equipped. The eye is right, the heart is right, the mind is right, the body is right, the life is right. That's what it's meant to be, to let God's word shape and mold us and and direct us. And the irony of it is Jesus would say to these guys, you search the scriptures and in them you think you have life, but they are that which declare me to you. It, It was all there. I mean, the lawyers studied the law of God in the Old Testament. The law of God declares the righteousness that's going to come through Christ. Jesus said, I don't think I came to counsel the law. I came to fulfill the law. Moses spoke of a prophet coming greater than him in the law of God. And Jesus is that prophet. So this is a warning to us about what happens when we think that we're earning our salvation. This is a warning to us about when we sit back in judgment of other people and our eyes not good, that we don't marvel at the good things of God. We marvel in condemnation of God or the work of God in other people. Love hopes all things, love bears all things, love believes all things. That's what the good eye is gonna do. That's what the good eye is gonna see. Because Jesus said, you guys, you tithe. You tithe your mint and cumin. It's like you didn't go to the spice store over here, you know, by Portola in the spice store, and you get it, and you pour it out, and you spread out some spice, and you do it in tents, and then like, this is the Lord's. Like, you're going to do that. But you neglect justice and love. Like, you're going you're gonna to worry more about the spice from the spice store next to Portola and the tent you're giving the Lord, because you're going to figure that out exactly than considering the people that work in the store and the events of the community and the humanity around you and what's right and just and true and noble and praiseworthy. You see, that's what happens with religion. It's very self-centered and, and it becomes gravitational for yourself. So I'm doing this for God and I'm doing that for God and God has to accept me. This, but Eventually what happens is usually people crash and burn with the self-made religion because at some point their conscience is seared or it condemns them. And it can be self-condemning before it's seared. But if we're going to be honest with ourselves, we're going to know that we can never know 
we're acceptable to stand before the Lord in our own righteousness. But we can know through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we can always know that his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are his and we're the children of God. And we cry out, Abba, Father, through our faith in his son, Jesus Christ, dying as a propitiatory sacrifice in our place on the cross, even as Abel brought the lamb, even as God covered Adam and Eve with the, with the covering from the animal that was shed in their substitutionary manner. You see, we can have full assurance in our standing before God through faith in Jesus Christ in relationship, and we can have no assurance through self-made religion, and we can never be sure. Because it just takes one foolish day to train wreck it all. And the real woman of God and the real man of God is like David in Psalm 51 who realizes they were born in iniquity and it's not the sacrifices of bulls and goats, but it's the broken spirit and the humility accompanied by the blood of sacrifices of bulls and goats, the blood of substitution that restores a person. David, something interesting in Psalm 51, David understood that Jerusalem, the capital of the king, was not sustained by outward buildings. You know, it's interesting his son Solomon did all this great building and all these things and he fortified everything. But you know, in Psalm 51, you know what the last verse says? Rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. That's random, isn't it? Build the walls of Jerusalem and let the sacrifices be acceptable. He understood it wasn't about religion, but it was the hearts that moved in place, everything else that would put it in order. You can have all the substance, the cup that looks so clean, but be defiled inside. And what did he say about this guy, this Pharisee, and the Pharisees as a whole, who lord over the people? They're religious. They're supposed to be the mediators between them and God, and they lorded over people. They're supposed to be the stewards of the word of God, and they took the word of God, added things to it, and made it hard for the people to come to God. They controlled God's people. They fleeced God's people, and they put burdens on God's people. And Jesus just said, like, you're full of greed and wickedness. What is greed? It's not being content with what God has for you. But what do greedy people do? They take. They're takers. Oh my goodness, they're takers. Of course, religious charlatans are takers. Self-serving religious people are takers because it's all about their religion. Gracious people are givers because they're gracious. But legal people are takers It's incredible. The human experience is not that hard to figure out. It's pretty clear and plain before the Lord when he speaks. They're takers. They appear to be one thing. They're completely something else. Jesus talked about these same men. They put in lots of offerings, but the widow who gave her little might gave way more because hers was in faith and theirs was in pride. And they're just giving what they took from someone else anyways in the name of God. God hates religion. It's a, when we say religion, we need to understand every human belief system by which man earns his way to God apart from faith in Jesus Christ. Because they all deceive. And there's a way that seems right to a man or a woman, but the end thereby is death. And it'll never go that way. No one is ever going to stand in glory before God through Buddha, Muhammad, Moses, or any other world leader. It's never going to happen. We're going to stand before God in glory through faith in Jesus Christ. And we're going to say, worthy is the lamb who was slain. And who Revelation tells us was slain before the foundation of the world. 
That's how we're going to get there. And that's who we're going to praise there. They're not praising Muhammad, Buddha, or Moses in heaven. They're praising Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, through whom are all things, and for whom are all things. That's what heaven's about. Heaven equals Jesus. Jesus equals heaven. That's how it works. It's his universe. He's the author and finisher of our faith. No man, no world religion. And the devil works very hard to prop up all these false religious systems and philosophies of men to deceive, distract, and lead astray. And my job as a minister of the gospel is to preach to you that Jesus Christ lived a perfect sinless life and died on the cross for your sins and my sins and rose again from the grave for our justification. He is ever seated at the right hand of the Father and he is coming again in glory. That is the gospel message and that is how we're saved. And we just say, amen. That's the gospel. I never get lost of what my purpose is in life as a minister. I don't need some extra writing to tell me. I just, I have Jesus and I preach the gospel. Greg Glory doesn't need to look for some new thing this year to really make it happen at Anaheim Stadium. It's the everlasting gospel. It's what the angels preach in Revelation before it all ends, too. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Baran. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed.